Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The New Statesman. Hi, I'm Anoush. I'm Rachel. And I'm Zoe. And this is the New Statesman's Politics Podcast. Keir Starmer has finished announcing Labour's five missions. We'll talk about how they went and whether they're enough. I'm Anusha Kellyan, Britain editor of The New Statesman and host of this podcast. And joining me in the studio, I have our deputy political editor, Rachel Wearmouth, and our political reporter, Zoe Grunewald. So last week, as we were recording, Keir Starmer announced his fifth and last mission at a college in Kent. And this one was to break down barriers to opportunity at every stage. We didn't actually get to talk about it at the time because we were recording while he was uh, saying it. Andrew Marr, our political editor, has uh, done a piece on it and a piece to camera as well, which you can find on YouTube. But I wanted to hear from you guys what you thought of that um, fifth and final mission. Then we can get into the rest of them. Rachel? Yeah, I think I think it's this one that probably talks most about Labour's values, isn't it? Yeah. Um, social mobility, breaking the, breaking the class ceiling, bigger focus on um, like of vocational education um, and trying to improve social mobility throughout the country. Um, so I th- I, from what I can gather, it's gone b- down very well um, over, the, over, the last, over the last week or so. But it's kind of part of all the five missions and you won't find huge divides, I don't think, with a lot of what the Conservative Party wants to do. But I think sort of Keir Starmer's case at the moment is kind of one where he is trying to say that he can he he's best able to run public services and bring about you know more change more effectively um more quickly by reforming how Whitehall works basically as part of the five missions which will be i think he's well he started the year saying he wanted to hand control back to communities but i think what the five missions kind of talk more about is sort of how Labour would run a government, how they would kind of make these priorities and ask departments to kind of keep to them. So it would kind of of change sort of approach from the current siloed position where each department has its own priorities. It seems to be more of a kind of centralised overall reform of Whitehall. Yes, and and it's interesting that that's the approach that they're taking because, first of all, if you reform the way government works, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're making huge spending commitments for one thing but secondly these are the things that actually endure so when you change things institutionally or you know even regulatory changes as well they're the things that are less easy for governments in future to repeal whereas you know if you fiddle around with tax or you know come up with these kind of redistributive income-based policies they're things that can be quite easily undone in future. Yeah I think one of the things that Labour believes is most appealing about its five missions is that is the big focus on long-termism yeah and so that's you know they're talking about fastest sustained growth in the g7 that's something that they're not going to be able to say they're probably going to do immediately um but it's something that feel that they can keep people on the same page about for a sustained amount of time and um a lot of what we've seen in the last last few years has been you know a lot of chaos a lot of change you know 
two changes of prime minister in the last you know last year or so you know it's kind of an antidote to the to the chaos of the last few years so that the focus on long termism is what might help them win a second general election potentially but also one also an offer they think that they can convince people with this time round Zoe, what do you make of the missions overall? Um, I think the missions are interesting because when they came about, um, Starmer's announcement of the five missions came um, pretty close to Sunak's announcement of his five pledges. And I think that has been um, a little bit problematic for Labour in terms of differentiating their offer and and making it quite clear to the public how their offering would be different from Sunak's. Mm. But actually, I think when you compare the two... Um, Starmer and Labour's five missions that do seem a lot more ambitious. So as Rachel said, you know, they want to secure the highest growth in the G7. That's significantly different different from Sunak's pledge to halve inflation, which obviously when Sunak announced it, we all thought, oh, well, that's going to happen anyway. And now it doesn't. That looks a bit more in question. And it's out of his control as well. Whereas growth, there's a lot of levers that governments can pull to try and uh, increase growth, not least, you know, house building and developing in general. Mm. Yeah, there are definitely levers. I think um, some of the, not criticisms, but some of the things that have been suggested about that particular mission is that obviously when you want to secure the highest growth in the G7, that's in comparison to other countries. And although you might be in control of what you can do in your country, you can't be in control of what other states are doing. So um, that might be a slightly um, trickier one. But as you say, there are more things that Starmer can do. Um, the other four missions, I think, are ones that he very much hoped would appeal to the general public. So things like kind of fixing the NHS, yeah. bringing down A and E waiting times and getting higher GP satisfaction ratings, yeah. safer streets. That was a big thing when it was happening because it was all about kind of halving knife crime, reducing violence against women and girls, and basically tackling this this feeling in communities that their streets are not, not really safe anymore. And then, of course, the, the sort of most contentious or the one that's had a bit more kind of problems around it has been their sort of clean energy mission which was originally you know the 28 billion a year for for green growth which has now been sort of slightly rowed back on mm. so i guess that one has been this the slightly trickier one because it does seem like labor has maybe gone back on it a little bit or there's been some issues within the shadow cabinet over the money and how that's going to work in practice but i do think these missions appeal to what voters want i think they appeal to voter priorities um, and i think they seem ambitious enough in comparison with um, what the conservatives are offering okay well let's talk a little bit about that um, slight tension over the climate pledges because there has been some rowing back. There were stories over the weekend as well of Keir Starmer saying that he hates tree huggers. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah. we saw actually at the the fifth and final mission while he was announcing it, he had these kids standing behind him because he was at a college and it was all about education and improving opportunities for young people. And some of the kids on the stage happened to be part of this um, Green New Deal rising campaign group. Um, And they suddenly started protesting while he was speaking, saying, you know, Green New Deal now, what about the 28 billion? You know, why haven't you met with us to speak about um, working our demands into the manifesto and all of this stuff? And there clearly is um, dissatisfaction perhaps among the young, as these young people, I spoke to them actually for a piece, um, were suggesting, um, but also about people who feel that Labour should be, you know, more ambitious on climate change, perhaps reflect more what's going on in the US and throughout Europe as well in terms of big, you know, big stimulus packages for green transition. That's something perhaps that is symbolic of the idea that these missions don't feel necessarily transformative and perhaps reflect too much what the Conservatives' priorities are in government as well. I think there's a few things going on when it comes to the climate change position of of the Labour Party. I think there are some factional tensions between Ed Miliband and, Mm. and 
other parts of the party, other parts of the of the shadow cabinet. As I understand it, Kiyosama did not say, I hate tree huggers. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, was, it might have been something closer to, I'm not a tree hugger. Right. Um, you know, um, it's... A, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> no, but, this is useful context. I'm glad, I'm glad I put it to you. <laughs> but I think what you know they would say on the 28 billion overall is that you know it was announced, and I think a lot of people were kind of surprised it was announced. A lot of people, Labour people, were surprised mm. it was announced so long ago, and was such yes. a big, and was such a big figure. And in between then and now, we've obviously had. Liz Truss's mini budget, which has affected interest rates, which has, you know, affected the economy overall and yeah. what they might be able to do. And the position is that they're not going to be able to do it in the first couple of years, but potentially towards the end of the first parliament, they would be able to, to bring it in. The other argument is that um, they would struggle to find stuff to spend that amount of money on within the within the first couple of years, because it, it is a pretty huge amount. Mm. But on the other hand, people who are very, very supportive of, of greening the economy within the Labour Party kind of feel just very frustrated that the one radical thing that they were they wanted to go out and um, talk to the electorate about has kind of been, you know, scaled down somewhat. But it's caution first all of the time um, in the Labour Party because they haven't been in power for 13 years. And they're just concerned that, you know, that feeling of 1992 could begin to creep back in and they're terrified of that. So they want to make sure that what they have to sell to the electorate is a credible offer. Great. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Ed, Ed Miliband because after the break, we'll discuss some of the reshuffle rumours that we're hearing. If you're subscribed to The New Statesman, you can get all our episodes ad-free on The New Statesman app. You can get it on both iOS and Android. Just search for New Statesman on the App Store or Google Play Store. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. If you enjoy the New Statesman podcast, then you'll love our daily politics newsletter, Morning Call. It's a quick, essential guide to the big political story each morning by me, Freddie Hayward and Rachel Weymouth, featuring original reporting from Westminster and beyond, our analysis of the latest political news and some recommendations of the best reads of the day. Sign up for free at the link in the podcast description. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalised plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So there have been a, a few noises off lately and, and actually over the last six months or even a year about <laughs> who Keir Starmer might be reshuffling in his top team. First of all, you know, where are these briefings coming from? First of all, explain for our readers how this kind of thing works. A good journalist would never reveal herself. <laughs> um, I mean, th- there have been reports consistently over the last six months. And I think, as with any party, there are, there are factional tensions and a lot of people have an opinion on what they would like Keir Starmer to do at the next resh- reshuffle. I think some of the problem is that... I think it's like a strength and a weakness of Keir Starmer's that he does not have a background in, you know, what people inside the Labour Party would call the movement. Mm-hmm. So he d- there's no, he doesn't very clearly come from one faction. So a lot of people are kind of who are around him spend some of their time trying to figure that out and trying to understand what his priorities might be, I think. And try to co-opt him into their faction. And some of these reports are clearly are people around Keir Starmer trying to, to move him into a position and trying to, 
you know, get, get their agenda in the news. And yeah, so I think some of, some of that's what's going on, trying to pressure Keir Starmer into, into a certain position. But it's clear that there is going to be some kind of, of, of reshuffle in, um, in the next sort of few months. Um, my best guess at that, and it is a guess, would be um, that these will take place after the by-elections, because mm-hmm. that obviously gives him um, some time before conference to allow the people he's moved into positions to formulate something to say at conference because that is potentially the most important one for them because it's potentially the last before the next election. Mm-hmm. It and should also, if if the by-elections go as planned, give him a bit of bit of a boost to his authority to be able to make these kind of moves. Yes, yeah. I, th- I think the other thing kind of going on is that obviously Rishi Sunak reordered Whitehall some months ago and, and, and the current shadow cabinet as it stands doesn't directly um, mirror mm-hmm. what's happening, in, doesn't shadow rather what's happening in... Um, what's happening in government so yeah. you know there are a couple of positions that it's some of the responsibilities it's not quite clear where they should go and on top of that there is you know Angela Rayner holds an, an awful lot of of, of jobs yeah. <laughs> and um there, there is you know there's some consensus around the idea that perhaps Angela's position could be changed in some way that doesn't right. necessarily mean a, a big demotion or a big you know change but um She's doing several different jobs at the moment and whether that might change seems to be something that definitely could happen, I think. So there's repeated reports that Lisa Nandy, for example, might might lose the levelling up brief. Is that something that you guys are hearing? It, it, it totally depends who you speak to within, yeah. the, within the party, you know. I mean, um, and this is the thing, nobody can quite guess at, at Keir Starmer's mind. And if, you know, it's like, I think if... if you know, taking taking all of these different reports into account and all of the different things that you hear, one thing that you kind of do come away from it concluding is that if there's not going to be a reshuffle, that should have been shut down many months ago. Yeah. And perhaps even if there was going to be a reshuffle and that should have been shut down many months ago and the speculation should have been, you know, stopped at one stage because I think all of the different people within the Lib Party at the moment would agree that it has been destabilising to, to some extent. Yeah, I think what um, most kind of lobby journalists will be familiar with and, and people who work in Westminster around Labour is that there is definitely a slight sense of anxiety going on where people are just concerned about their job, concerned about other people's jobs. Um, and, you know, I think there's a sense that these people will want to be in place by conference because that is when Labour will really be able to set out its stall um, publicly. And obviously we've also got Sue Gray taking up her job as Starmer's Chief of Staff, so there'll be relationships that need to be built there. So I think as we're kind of heading on and we're not really hearing much, it's just sort of getting more and more tense almost in Labour circles. So it'll be really interesting and I think probably after the by-elections is is the best bet. What I would say is that, like, these will be the jobs that these people have in government. So it's like there, there's so much competition and anxiety over them at the moment because, you know, it's, it means it means a lot. It's very, very different having a shadow cabinet post than it is actually being a cabinet minister. So, yeah, everyone's trying to nail down their position, I think. And, you know, it depends who you speak to on any different week who, who's getting sacked. It feels like that um, scene in um, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels where they're like, <laughs> you know, can everyone please stop getting shot? It's like, can, everyone, can everyone please stop getting sacked? Because you know, like, it really does change quite quite often. Like, Kirsten will have a lot of different parts of the party he'll need to keep happy. He can't, you know, banish the soft left entirely, you know. Um, but w- whatever he chooses to do is kind of will tell you a lot about the narrative that he's going to take into government, what his what his judgment is, and a bit more about what his own politics are, yeah. um, and really, it's kind of quite telling that the people around him are not able to 
nail down for you what that is. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think it's as well, it's, it's um, interesting to know, it's not just MPs, it's also their staff as well, who are mm-hmm. all going to be thinking about what their next job is going to be and are they going to, you know, be a spad and all that kind of stuff. Which yeah. So there's just definitely a sense of anticipation, I would say, in Westminster at the minute. Yeah, a lot of these people loyally sort of clinging to the Labour Party for a long time while it's been in the doldrums, finally having that little glimpse of Daylight. power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well... I'm sure we'll track this as it carries on. And of course, we've got the three by-elections next week, so we'll bring you reaction from those as well. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to submit a question for us to discuss on a future podcast, you can do so at newstatesman.com forward slash us or pop one in the YouTube comments. If you like the New Statesman podcast, please vote for us in the listener's choice category in the British Podcast Awards. You can vote now at britishpodcastawards.com forward slash voting anytime until the 5th of September. Just type in the New Statesman podcast and it will come up. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast with me, Anusha Kellyan, and my colleagues, Rachel Wearmouth and Zoe Grunewald. We'll be back tomorrow to answer your questions in our next episode, You Ask Us. Follow us on your podcast app to make sure you get new episodes as soon as they're released. You can also watch video from this podcast on our YouTube channel. Just search YouTube for the New Statesman. We're produced by Matt Murphy. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.